A lot can happen in one year. A year of podcasting. A year of triumph. And a year of failure. But one man seeks to go beyond. A year of booking anime characters. A year of booking video game characters. And a year of booking professional wrestlers. One man seeks to go beyond the pilot of his episodes. He seeks to go beyond one's true evil and awaken out as a man that nobody could ever see. For on the one year anniversary, wrestling with fiction will truly wrestle with fiction. For tonight, we give a five-knuckle shuffle to the past, give it an attitude adjustment, and book the John Cena heel turn! Ladies, gentlemen, and lady gentlemen, my fictional friends, it is the one year anniversary! My name is Connor, and what a weird, wonderful, and arguably train wreck of a year <laughs> that has been the Wrestling With Fiction podcast. There's been a lot of highs, a lot of lows, a lot of random tweets, and just a crazy journey. And we're gonna finish the first year with a flipping bang. We are finishing the one year anniversary off with arguably one of the biggest fantasy booking what-ifs in all of professional wrestling. You know it, I know it. It is the John Cena flipping heel turn. And let's just say I have some things to say. If you guys never saw the teaser, I am determined, and I'm going to emphasize this, I am determined to prove to every single one of you that you did not need the flipping rock to turn John Cena heel. And I will fight you on it. So I'm coming in with a lot to prove. I completely understand. Because uh, everybody in their mother has booked the John Cena heel turn. If you're a fan of wrestling, you know who John Cena is. And everybody has a specific idea of how they want John Cena to be the big mega heel that we expect him to be. The hustle, loyalty and respect finally turning to dishonesty and disloyalty and disrespect. I just came up with that so you can tell I am very nervous. <laughs> so with that, I just want to quickly get some things out of the way. A huge thank you to everybody who's been listening to this podcast, whether it be weekly or if this is your first time listening. Thank you so much for sticking around and listening to me talk nonsense for over a year about wrestling and it kind of being successful to an extent <laughs> so much so that I I I tried to make some demands <laughs> to to try and get on to fantasy booking warfare so yeah wild wild year it's been a wild year and with that I just want to say 
as I've already said, thank you so much for all of the love and support for recent episodes, for past episodes, for everything in between. I could not have continued this without the support of every single one of you, so thank you so much. And with that, I may as well just get onto the regular bits and bobs that you usually go through with these things. So, as usual, timestamps are in the description. If you want to just look down at them, I'm going to put them in there. It's just going to save us all a bunch of time. It's going to be lovely, because I know that I talk and I ramble a lot, and sometimes I kind of speak complete bollocks. So, feel free to do that. No hate here. I completely get it. And with that, if this is your first time listening, maybe consider leaving a review over at your favorite podcast app. Maybe consider subscribing. And let's get into what can be described as the John Cena heel turn. And to do that, we need to go back to a particular point in John Cena's career. So this is going to be a little bit different to the recent recaps that have been implemented. This is mainly just going to be a general quick fire discussion on why I think everybody wanted John Cena to turn heel. So let's explain the idea of the John Cena heel turn in about four minutes. Let's get into this. Okay, so the John Cena heel turn is something that's been discussed for over a decade, and with John Cena returning, it feels like it's been officially died down. So let's talk about the general discussion of why everybody desired the heel turn for so much. So... At WrestleMania 21, we eventually saw John Cena capture the WWE Championship for the first time against John Bradshaw Layfield. Now, during this period, John Cena was the recognized big popular babyface, someone who was guaranteed to become the new face of WWE alongside Batista. Over the coming months, he would quickly be drafted to Raw, which would be described as WWE's main show, where he would be defending the title against the likes of Christian, Chris Jericho, and many others, eventually dropping the belt to Edge. Now. During this period, John Cena was having a bit of a transition period, going from the face of WWE to now officially the franchise player of WWE, someone who was booked incredibly strong throughout his entire career. And with it, led to many instances where a lot of people decided for him to drop the belt to the likes of Rob Van Dam, Edge, Kurt Angle, and various other big high-end stars that John Cena would, quite frankly, still stay champion. He would drop the belt to them, but would quickly regain it several months later. He would go on to have several, and I mean several, lengthy runs in which many up-and-coming talent would go for the belt against John Cena, and eventually, by many people's arguments, be pushed down the card. This would spiral and spiral continually throughout several years until we get to the Nexus storyline. For those who don't know the Nexus storyline, I'm going to go through it briefly. A very large invading force of former NXT rookies, a developmental brand initially for WWE, came in and invaded the brand, coming in and attacking various roster members and just, in general, dominating Monday Night Raw. It eventually came to a head with a Survivor Series-style match, which is basically an elimination match, against Team Cena against Team Nexus, many of which would be incredibly cross with John Cena and claim that he buried the Nexus through defeating three members of the Nexus by himself in an incredibly decisive faction that many of the Nexus members would fail to recover from since. 
over the course of this and during this year, we eventually got the Rise Above Hate storyline, a storyline dictated by Kane and a up-and-coming babyface wrestler known as Zack Ryder. During this, John Cena would have a relationship with Zack Ryder that was very friendly and through it became the byproduct of a lot of John Cena's failures of embracing the hate. The crowd was beginning to become incredibly mixed with his character, cheering and booing him as he made his entrance, despite the company's attempts of making him the popular, strong, main event babyface. Despite this, John Cena would still be pushed as the main event player due to his connection with child fans. Because of this, there have been various bits of backlash with him being pushed, pushed in a much more heel position which was only furthered by the flames of rumours of him potentially turning heel on The Rock and supposed plans of changing his theme music and ring gear. With this, John Cena was still pushed to a point where he was getting mixed reactions, getting the chance of let's go Cena, Cena sucks on nearly every single event. These would eventually die down to an extent with the US title run that he would get during 2015, but even with that, that was over a decade of being the face of the company. The face that, for many people, should have had a chance to get a proper heel run with the character. And that is how the John Cena heel turn is widely discussed. It's a... Uh, I, I went through basically cliff notes because the history of John Cena is uh, very broad. And uh, there's a lot to talk about. And going through each and every single feud of the main event player of WWE really isn't going to help anyone. So that's just basically a cliff notes thing of what I can imagine with the John Cena heel turn. It's basically just one of the big missed opportunities of having a main eventer like John Cena who the crowd was openly and organically beginning to boo. ECW One Night Stand in 2006 comes to mind. And the company just never went with it. And with the way that WWE is right now, with John Cena recently returning... It feels like we're never going to get the, you know, rainbow skittles John Cena to turn heel and wear tights again. So, the possibility of the heel turn is a big mystery amongst many wrestling fans. It's a, it's basically the magnum opus of fantasy bookings because everybody has an opinion on it. Just like before Roman Reigns turned heel, there was many ideas of how people wanted to book John Cena. And... That's the discussion we'd go into today. And I feel like, you know, I've talked a lot about the John Cena heel turn now. I've went over it. And because of that, we need to go into how on earth we are going to book this and unpack this, considering we have so much source material to cover and bits that will undoubtedly mention. So let's go straight into a little segment I like to call the tagline. And for those of you who it is your first time listening to this podcast, the tagline is basically my 30-word summary of what I plan to do with the wrestler of the week. Also discussing my own thought process in a about a three to four minute timely manner. Think of it like your summaries that you'd go through Netflix on or Crunchyroll because uh, WWE has a Crunchyroll series supposedly and I'm not gonna ever let this freaking go. <laughs> so with that, I think it's time that on the one year anniversary, that I ask myself to cue the music, future me. So 
So John Cena is a heel is a very interesting subject because uh, we already saw John Cena as a heel as the doctor of fuganomics. And the reason why the heel turn is so specific is because the current John Cena is the complete opposite of Gangster Cena, the guy who would make raps about people masturbating and, you know, casually insult guys like Brock Lesnar. The John Cena of 2010 is the face that runs the place, the guy who is on all of the posters, the magazine covers, your WWE ice cream bars. He's... He's a guy who, if you turn him heel, would that all go away? Or would that still stick around? Because the whole zeitgeist of the John Cena heel turn is the reason why they would never turn him is because they would not be able to replace John Cena. So we, is that the potential angle you go with, or do you come with mindless, I'm sick of everything and all these people being confused about me? Because to me, uh, the one before the other one I just suggested sounds a lot more clearer to me. The, the company man, John Cena. And so for me, a tagline for a John Cena heel turn would be, Refusing to accept the future as it is, the face of WWE challenges the authority of wrestling by force to bring the company into a new direction. Because the idea of the John Cena heel turn was always changed because WWE could never find the next John Cena. The guy who could take over the company in present it in such a way that John Cena didn't. They tried to do it with Roman Reigns, but it just didn't work. Because, to be frank with you, there's nobody who could be the next John Cena. And I think you need to have the character have a degree of self-reflection of this. There is nobody like John Cena. And that has been the biggest thing with the John Cena heel turn that I think has always been overlooked is the fact that John Cena as a heel, wouldn't really change. Really think about this. John Cena as a heel still has so many other perks that is still his babyface slash heel qualities. You know, people made the comparison of Cody Rhodes being Homelander. If you really think about it, John Cena is the Homelander of WWE. And maybe I'm completely facetious here and I'm completely wrong here. But John Cena is the face that wants WWE to still be running in 50 years. He's the guy who doesn't want his home to change. And maybe that's completely wrong of me. But that's just my early assumption going into this. And we'll see how the booking turns out. So, I think we should just get into this and tell you right now, we're not skipping to any other storyline here. This is purely the John Cena heel turn. So let's dive into part one of the John Cena heel turn. God help me, I'm nervous. Now, some of you might be wondering where our tale begins here, since I did specify that I don't want this to be post The Rock at WrestleMania. In fact, we're going a couple of years after that. 
and some of you might remember this, some of you might not. It's the beginning of this turn, so to speak, is post-Survivor Series 2014. So, for those that don't remember what happened at Survivor Series, it was Team Cena versus Team Authority. The Authority, for those who have completely forgotten what the Authority was, was uh, the team of Triple H and Stephanie McMahon and all these other people who they deemed to be the future of the WWE. Guys like Seth Rollins, Randy Orton, and various other people. J&J Security were also involved. Kane, The Big Show, The Works. Basically, John Cena won. And our story begins post-Survivor Series where the authority is out of power. John Cena and his various other successful team members, your Dolph Ziggler's, your Eric Rowan, remember Eric Rowan being there, Ryback, are celebrating. They've done it. They've got rid of the authority. And because of this, you have people like Dolph Ziggler getting a rematch for the Intercontinental title earlier on than he initially does in TLC. He wins it literally the night after Survivor Series. We'll get back to this later. Luke is going to get another shot. And you have Eric Rowan and Ryback basically having these big matches all over the place. It's great. It's fun. Da 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 de do. And basically during this, John Cena is saying as he's cutting a promo that now that the authority is taken care of, Monday Night Raw is the land of opportunity. So now I've got to focus on Brock Lesnar. And as he does this, Seth Rollins comes out as he does in real life at this point, say, no, we can't do this. The authority is all the power. We we need authority to control everything here. Look, look at what you've done, John. The only reason you won was because of Sting. All of these other things that are going on are because of you. Have you seen the chaos around here? Everybody is in complete anarchy here. And Rollins just basically concludes saying that because for as long as I am around and for as long as I hold this, and he points to the money in the bank briefcase, because remember, he has this, the future is safe with me. This will be important later. So, throughout the coming weeks and the build-up to TLC, there's, there's a lot more chaos in the backstage locker rooms. You see, you know, all these, you know, insert wrestler who doesn't win much, a la your Heath Slaters and all these other people, moving around demanding title shots from insert champion here like Rusev and Tyson Kidd and Cesaro. All these champions essentially just asking and demanding to things because there's, there's no order in the WWE anymore because they got rid of the authority. And with this, you have people like Dolph Ziggler thriving under this situation. It's almost like an open challenge for Dolph Ziggler defending the title each and every single week. Gotta get that baby face push after being a sole survivor. Remember that? And with it, you have guys like Rusev being outraged. Like, this is ridiculous. I am the hero of Russia. Forget that I'm from Bulgaria. I am the hero of Russia. All of that going on until we eventually lead to, as we do in real life, the segment with the cutting edge where let's just say that Seth Rollins threatens to curb stomp <laughs> freaking curb stomp Edge's neck back when he was retired in a very scary to real life scene that, you know, maybe wasn't great for television at the time, but for the stakes of John Cena and this being his rival who tried to support him with Brock Lesnar, it makes sense, so we're keeping it here. During this period, 
we see John Cena out there looking conflicted. He he's trying to answer back to Sephiroth saying to don't do this. You're making a big mistake. You're a, you're a promising young child, but this is not the way to do it. And during this, you see, you know, the members of Team Cena, Ryback and freaking Eric Rowan coming out to essentially face off with the Big Show and Kane are also out assisting Seth Rollins and having a brawl there. And John Cena looks conflicted. He, he basically starts looking just, you know, like very sad Cena, like a sad Cena face. Just imagine Cena with a frowny face. And that's, that's the John Cena we're looking at here. And he is basically just about to say something. And as he does, Dolph Ziggler comes out. And he says, stop, you, you don't know what you're doing. Have, have you forgotten what he did to guys like us? The, the authority took away your world title. It, it brought you on a wild goose chase just to get back to Brock Lesnar. He's trying to... This company does not need to. And as John Cena just takes... Dolph Ziggler's mic, and he just shouts, We need the authority! And the crowd goes silent. Rollins begins to smile. And Ziggler looks on, completely confused. And he says, I want the authority back into power. And just like that, as it did in real life, the authority is put back into power. Very similar to real life, as that kind of happened, which I think, in hindsight, Trust me, this will lead to something. It will. And Cena looks just sad and conflicted as Raw fades out off of the air. And thus, we cut to the next week where the authority comes out as they did in real life to basically address all the things that have happened before. And they say basically on the next Raw as we return to it, they immediately fire Eric Rowan and Ryback for, you know, disobeying the authority and doing all these things to go against them and their own power. And you might be wondering why isn't Dolph Ziggler being fired with him? Remember, he's the Intercontinental Champion and the authority, they love to give opportunities for the future. And as much as they want to hate Dolph Ziggler. He's proven over the past year that he's an incredibly hard-working wrestler. He's been working his way back up from being this injury-prone concussion man. And he's getting a match against John Cena at TLC. And if either of them lose, they are fired from the WWE. Now, of course, you might be asking, what, what is the fate of the Intercontinental title at this point if Ziggler's the champion? Well, He's getting a rematch with Luke Harper, and uh, let's just say it's an incredibly one-sided affair by the authority to do everything. Seth Rollins comes out, Kane comes out, every distraction in the world hits Dolph Ziggler until Luke Harper hits him with a discus lariat for the 1-2-3. Luke Harper wins the IC title, and thus we begin the build for John Cena and Dolph Ziggler. Now, in the build-up to this, they get tag matches against the Authority. You know, against Kane and the Big Show. And I know that's not what everybody wants to see, but this is more about the story of John Cena's dissension. So, we get backstage segments where Cena and Dolph Ziggler are talking backstage, and Cena simply asks, like, you understand where I was coming from, right? 
And Ziggler just snaps and says, you know, having lost the IC title a week ago, I don't. Then again, I never understood you, John. How a real locker room leader claims that the best idea was to bring back the people that ruined our locker room? Is that what you wanted? And Cena simply responds, you have to understand, I was trying to- NOBODY UNDERSTANDS what you are doing, John. Not even the WWE Universe can relate to you anymore. You live your life like a superhero. You think that if you say something that everything will be okay, but it isn't. Because we are not all superheroes, John. Some of us had to be cheerleaders to get where we are. Some of us had to scratch and claw to get where we are and where we kind of slip up. We only get one shot. Just one time. Our opportunities are taken away from us. You say you hate the authority, but really you're no better than them. Ziggler walks out the locker room and of course, we get the tag match where they're forced to cooperate. How can they coexist? In which John Cena and Dolph Ziggler pick up the victory and you keep having them in tag matches where they are, you know, uncomfortable working together. And in those weeks, we get Triple H signed to convince both Dolph Ziggler and John Cena in various segments. He, he says to John Cena, you know, the future is not kind to those who refuse destiny. The authority holds the keys to the kingdom. The keys to the past, the present, and the future. If you want to be a part of that future, you need to let go of that past. And with it, we eventually get to TLC, where by this time, as we know, it is whoever loses gets fired. Now, the match is against, you know, the guy who had to work from underneath as a cheerleader to get a shot of the world title only to be cut short versus the franchise player, John Cena. Do, 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 do. And what do they do, 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 do? They have a super competitive match. We basically see multiple AAs where Dolph Ziggler kicks out at like two and a half. You know, those great like Dolph Ziggler nearly pop outs because remember here, Dolph Ziggler was super over in 2014. The IC title run that he had during this period was really good. People forget this, but it was a really good run. And it was in that transition period of WWE where they were becoming a lot more work rate with their talent. So Ziggler was super over at this period. And especially heading into TLC where he was just the sole survivor of Survivor Series. Like... Let's not forget, he pinned Luke Harper, Kane, and Seth Rollins. Yes, with the help of Sting at the end, but that's two big guys and your future main event star. Dolph Ziggler is not going to be knocked out easily in this match. So, we build to a point where Ziggler has basically avoided a fourth AA, and he goes for a super kick and inadvertently hits the referee. Distraction bollocks time! where Seth Rollins comes out, because remember, Seth Rollins is just kind of a wee little bastard, and gets himself his Money in the Bank briefcase to try and hit Dolph Ziggler and John Cena. It doesn't work. Ziggler fights him off, and Seth Rollins sneakily also grabs a chair. And he, he just places it in the middle of the ring as the referee is still knocked out. And Ziggler is warding him off, just saying, Get out of here. Get out of here, you mean blonde, dark-haired 
Man, what are you doing here? This is my main event, and... You know, Cena, he, he stares at the steel chair. Thinking, you know, as the match has gone on, what have I got to do to beat this man? And he grabs the steel chair. And he, he reluctantly grips it. He really, you know, holds it tight. And he closes his eyes. And he says, I'm sorry. As he hits the steel chair at the back of John Cena's back. Not John's. He doesn't hit himself. And if he did, he would kick out at two. But what he does is that he grabs the steel chair. And he hits Dolph Ziggler. One, two, three. As the ref recovers, gaining consciousness. John Cena wins. Dolph Ziggler is fired from the WWE. Cena walks up to the ramp. He... He basically whispers into Ziggler's ear, I'm sorry. I did what I had to do to protect my job. And he walks up to Triple H, holding out his hand, saying, I knew you could do it. And Cena just reluctantly shakes his hand. And, and we see this potential relationship begin to blossom a bit. Maybe, maybe not. Who really knows? And the angle of that night ends with Dolph Ziggler just realizing what has happened, he, as security begins to come in to, you know, evacuate Dolph from the building, he says, I, I, I can't believe this, you, you've seen, he, he basically can't believe, he's saying, I can't believe this, I, and he's, he basically says, I will make your life a living hell, Cena, one way or another, I will be back, nobody wants you, John, Ziggler is screaming and shouting like we know, Dolph Ziggler being prone to being as he is dragged out by security as John Cena looks on in shame and a bit of sadness as Dolph Ziggler is arguably released by the WWE and thus with that we end that part of TLC having Ziggler being dragged off and we start the build to the Royal Rumble now the build is very similar we have John Cena and Seth Rollins taking on Brock Lesnar and the triple threat match that's completely fine that's there but we get our first we want to say official promo here of uh john cena and some of you might be wondering oh is john cena gonna rage at the fans here is he gonna is he gonna shout at them no no because john cena you know give us a cliche here i'm not kidding here doesn't really change his promo style he doesn't wear new gear he doesn't change anything because that's not the John Cena of the WWE. And the best characters in WWE, particularly the ones of John Cena, are the ones that emulate real life. John Cena, in real life and in storyline, is the guy who made the most make-a-wishes to underprivileged kids. The, the man who's done so much copious amounts of charity work. The guy who people are believing is going to go to Hollywood. And is always so well-liked in interviews and so well-liked in television things. He is a childhood hero. So, really, the John Cena character as a heel, or even a person beginning to turn, doesn't need to change. It's just the outlook that John Cena sees himself has to change. John Cena is, in a, you know, acting term, he is the villain believing that he is reading the script as a hero he's the guy who in this case 
is still living up to the moniker of hustle, loyalty, and respect. He, that doesn't need to change. That doesn't need to become something completely different. In fact, those philosophies are the things that arguably fit incredibly well in the authority system. So we cut back to backstage and we see essentially the locker room is divided on John Cena's actions. They can see that what he did was just purely to protect his job. And some can also see that he's kind of the catalyst for all of this happening. And Triple H walks up to John Cena and he basically says, look, this happens to everybody in your position. When I was the world heavyweight champion, everybody turned against me. The, the WWE Universe is jealous that they could never be the future or even the present John Cena. Because no matter what happens, you're always Mr. Hustle, loyalty, and respect. That's why you have mansions and cars. That's why nobody else, like Michaels, Angle, Austin, The Rock, they could never hang like you. They could never have the longevity like you do. Because you are the authority. You are the future of the WWE as you have been for the past decade. Nobody can ever replace John Cena. And so we cut to the Royal Rumble where the match plays out pretty much almost identically with John Cena not fully siding with the authority at this point. He's just kind of, you know, getting whispers from Triple H at this point. And Seth Rollins is kind of your, I guess, your heel who's uh, kind of uh, maybe getting his dominance challenged by Randy Orton and now potentially John Cena being put into the fold. The match goes very much how it does in real life, except with a slight difference where you do get to see a you know, a glimpse of cooperation from John Cena and Seth Rollins and thinking like a makeshift shield powerbomb to Brock Lesnar. That'd be very nice, but Brock Lesnar still retains the title. Nothing changes there that much. Next, just like in real life, we get qualifying matches for the, you know, the big Roman Reigns defending his right to challenge Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. Except we change it slightly because it's Roman Reigns Daniel Bryan, and because John Cena was rightfully not justified in his current rematch, and they believe they need to give him a second chance for how long he's been chasing the title, he's added into the match as well. Basically, John Cena has a chance to go for the WWE Championship once again, and Seth Rollins is relatively confused, and Triple H tries to comfort him, saying that you are the future of the WWE, you're your plan B. John, he's John. I had to do this, as you already know, he's been on a goose chase for this for months. He needed an official challenge eventually. Nobody knows the future better than the man himself. And Ronin's kind of looks on confused, but he has no reason to really question it so much. He's too busy dealing with Randy Orton at this point, who's kind of Feeling to get his outs of the authority. So, in the build to this match, Roman Reigns is almost kind of non-existent in this bit. And so Daniel Bryan confronts John Cena. And he says, Do you remember what I said to you a year ago when we wrestled? 
at SummerSlam. You're not a good wrestler. I don't know what Triple H has been spewing to you, but whatever future you're thinking of is, it's not real. The future is not with you or Triple H, it's with guys like Sami Zayn, Cesaro, Dean Ambrose, and Dolph Ziggler. And that comment of Dolph Ziggler just immediately gets under John Cena's skin. He still smiles, but you can see it in his eyes that that comment hit him, like, hard. And maybe we get some, like, Ziggler chants in there, possibly. Maybe I'm being a little too ambitious here. But, you know, at this point, Ziggler's been off TV for months. And he, ba John Cena just basically says, oh, that's all good, but they're not here. But it looks like... You want a fight. And since you want to bring it up, Brian, if you want some, come get some. I feel so wrong saying if you want some, come get some, but we're moving on. And thus we get to the official fast lane match. It is Daniel Bryan, Roman Reigns, and John Cena having, you know, a very fun triple threat match in which the ending of the match basically is. Daniel Bryan going for the running knee that John Cena counters into an AA and as he does that Roman Reigns goes for a spear hitting John Cena one two three Roman Reigns wins and post-match we have it where Daniel Bryan and John Cena are still in the ring both exhausted and well still kind of in his you know shorts and jorts type of get up he grabs Daniel Bryan gets him up, we get a, you know, makeshift handshake, having known that neither of them are going to be main eventing Wrestlemania because of John Cena. And in the moment, he kicks Daniel Bryan straight in the balls, and he hits an attitude adjustment on Daniel Bryan to a chorus of boos that would, I think, might overshadow Roman Reigns, considering you can argue he cost Daniel Bryan a shot at WrestleMania. <laughs> and so, with that, with nothing but hustle, loyalty, and respect, he walks up to the ramp, and he exchanges his hand to Triple H, already there, and he shakes it. And we end Raw, not Raw, Fastlane on that note, and we get the first official, arguably heel promo from John Cena, having officially joined the authority, becoming the New York Yankees of the WWE, and he basically says that Brian had a chance to main event WrestleMania, and he cost John Cena his spot to be there. Brian had the chance to take the ball and run with it at the starting line, but he failed. Love me or booed me. I have held the WWE Championship with nothing but hustle, loyalty, and respect around the world for months and even years at a time. In the WWE, a yes can only go so far because the yes movement, maybe now, but maybe for now, but the C Nation is always forever. And Brian has had enough at this point. He is brawling with John Cena in the build-up to WrestleMania, it's John Cena versus Daniel Bryan. Because uh, that's a big Mania match for a card. 
And yes, Brian winning the IC title at the beginning was fun, but knowing what we know about Daniel Bryan in real life, and that he's only really going to be around for a couple more months, yeah, uh, we're basically going to have John Cena write off Daniel Bryan here. We're going to have STF's attitude adjustments, and basically ending with John Cena essentially doing an attitude adjustment to Daniel Bryan, putting him through a table. And thus we end WrestleMania with John Cena fully aligned with the authority, making his deal with the devil, all for the sake of WWE and for the sake of the WWE franchise. Because John Cena values the company, the place that he grew up with, all to himself. Because John Cena doesn't see a future of nobodies. He only sees a future dictated by him and others that value the ideals of hustle, loyalty, and respect. Right, so going into part two of this little bit of a booking, we need to specify a couple things. So, post-WrestleMania, a lot of things go reasonably unchanged here. So, for preference here, uh, Seth Rollins is still WWE Champion. That'll be important later. And for now, in the post-kind of Monday Night Raw episode of WrestleMania, we get to John Cena cutting, once again, a promo. Still, you know, keeping that nice corporate face going in. Being like, how is everybody doing tonight? As everybody boos, knowing that John, that Daniel Bryan is supposedly injured, as he would be, you know, a couple weeks later. But we're, we're just going to speed it up here so it feels like John Cena has technically retired Daniel Bryan for the moment. Adds to it because the power of hindsight. Yay! And John Cena's relationship with the authority at this point is good. It's, it's getting marvelous even. Because now John Cena understands that he is the corporate face of WWE. He's the franchise player as he's always been. And so if he can't be WWE champion, he'll be the gatekeeper to the champion. Because remember, John Cena values the future of WWE. It's, it's the company that gave him so many opportunities. It's the company that he's promised that he would never leave. So, the only way that he can really push and show that all these other people can live to the candle of being the future of WWE would be if he tested them himself. And since he can't challenge Seth Rollins because he's a authority member and, you know, holder of the future as well as he, he is creating the John Cena Journeyman Challenge. It is basically... If you guys remember John Cena's great US Open challenge, it's basically that, but with a couple tweaks. So, the Journeyman Challenge is basically a 20-minute match that you must win by pinfall or submission. And if you beat John Cena, you get a shot at the WWE Championship, no questions asked. And you can also get it by getting a time limit draw with John Cena, very important, which is why he's kind of busy not really doing anything with Seth Rollins. But in the background, Seth Rollins is also having his matches with Kane, Randy Orton, Big Show, not Big Show, but you know, the Big Show matches with Dean Ambrose and Randy Orton and Brock Lesnar. All the while, John Cena is watching in the background, talking to Triple H, you know, essentially evaluating Seth Rollins' performances. You know, almost like those like job evaluations for Seth Rollins as WWE Champion. And John Cena starts talking about how, you know, in their day, they never needed P 
people like J&J Security to get the job done, yet Seth Rollins does. Is, is this what the value of hustle, loyalty, and respect has really come to within the authority? And we get a couple little exchanges basically saying that Rollins lacks the loyalty to be the future. He was plucked from the shield, a group of people so supposedly called the Hounds of Justice who were once members of the Euphoria but rebelled against the system. He lacks the hustle, having been, you know, gifted so many opportunities. And maybe to John Cena, he lacks some respect. So, also a couple little things to keep in mind as we are skipping a couple months here. Dolph Ziggler has made his return via actions of just assaulting members of like J&J security until the authority had no choice but to bring Dolph Ziggler back into the WWE. That's something else that happens in the background. That'll be important for part three. So that's something that happens in the middle of it. And Dolph Ziggler successfully wins the Money in the Bank briefcase at Money in the Bank. And during this, Cena has another successful challenge from, you know, the likes of guys like Wade Barrett, Dean Ambrose, and all those great challenges. Think all the US title contenders, but you know, smidged into this build for John Cena here. And we get to the end of that and the build to SummerSlam. Now, on the next night of Raw, John Cena basically says that under the guidance of the authority, I've been able to project and protect the brand and image that I've worked ever so hard for. The WWE is my home. They plucked me from obscurity. They taught me hustle, loyalty, and respect. However, I fear our company is beginning to lose those values. So much so that I ask Seth Rollins, for the sake of the future, to hand over the WWE Championship as, as kind of a thing where Seth Rollins kind of comes out and thinks, oh, you're joking, right, John? And Cena just kind of gives a blank face. If you guys have seen some of the delivery that John Cena does, yeah, think of it like that. And delivers an attitude adjustment to Seth Rollins to end an episode of Raw. Triple H is coming out confused like, what are you doing, John? What are you doing? And we spend the next week for Seth Rollins to ponder on that decision, having been attitude adjusted. And with it, Rollins is angry at the fact that how dare John Cena view me as not the future of WWE. I've been holding this belt and beating the likes of former world champions. So I'm going to have an open challenge, which turns out to be Neville as it does in real life. Fun little match where it looks like Neville could beat him. And we see John Cena appear on the Titantron, having obliterated J&J security, giving them a... STFU as Rollins for the first time shows you a little bit of concern as he rushes out to the back to try and save his buddies who have been risking their lives for him. And we build to the main event segment with John Cena sitting there alongside Triple H who is indecisive about these decisions as much as, you know, John Cena is basically just thinking, who do I pick? Do I pick the authority of Triple H? No, do I pick do I pick the authority of myself? No! Do I pick the authority of Seth Rollins? Do I pick the authority of John Cena? And as John Cena comes out demanding that Seth Rollins 
hands over the WWE Championship, Seth Rollins walks up to him. He holds out the belt to John Cena in that very, you know, sad puppy dog face, holding it out. And in a sense of poetic justice, some might say, a la Randy Orton, Seth Rollins holds on to the championship. We get that, you know, that grip scene between like Randy Orton and Triple H. We, we're going to have a little callback here where Seth Rollins spits in the face of John Cena and runs away with the WWE Championship. And of course, Triple H is divided about who he chooses here. John Cena is absolutely furious. And we have the build to SummerSlam where, you know, Cena's trying to keep his composure, but there are just little things that are just upsetting his plan for the future. One of which being a little exchange that he has in a tag match against him. J&J Security with Seth Rollins against The Big Show, John Cena and Kane, where, as in real life, John Cena gets a broken nose from the Seth Rollins knee as we head into SummerSlam. It's at this point where Triple H tries to, you know, try and get them both to, you know, reconcile their differences, like everything is fine, we are still the authority. If the authority crumbles, everything crumbles. John Cena, he, he just says, you're right, but the authority that Rollins is pushing is not my authority. And Rollins likewise saying, look, Triple H, I, I love you and respect you. You brought me up. You made me the face of NXT. Then you took a chance on me to be the face of WWE. And I, I don't want to let you down. I don't want to let you down. I don't want to let down J&J security. I don't want to make all the sacrifices I've made go to nothing because this... 10-year-old journeyman part-timer believes that he can be the face of this company anymore. It's time for a change. And with SummerSlam, we get the same spectacular match, which by the way, John Cena versus Seth Rollins at SummerSlam 2015. Underrated match. That is a fantastic match. The only issue with it is the finish being with Jon Stewart. Everything else that you keep in there, the frog splash from Seth Rollins, the suicide dives out of desperation, the AA, the Chammy versus champion that's great. Keep all of that. Keep all of those fun little spots in there. Just get rid of the Jon Stewart stuff, and you've got a fantastic match. And in this, Rollins is looking like he's about to set up the pedigree as Triple H is coming down just saying to just stop. You know, stop the fighting. Stop all of this as the referee is knocked out. Triple H looks to Seth Rollins and he basically says, there's always a plan B. As Triple H hits Seth Rollins with the pedigree, as John Cena looks over, hitting another attitude adjustment from the top rope just to make sure that Rollins will stay down for the one, two, three. John Cena is your WWE champion with your much more aggressive side of him, throwing Rollins into barricades, hitting him through tables, and all this other fun stuff. And he's now the face of the authority. He is your WWE champion, your corporate champion. A guy who has fought the best and worst that WWE has to offer. Pushing and trying to indoctrinize people into his values of hustle, loyalty, and respect. But nobody, not even members of his own authority stable could fully follow 
the John Cena philosophy. So now we come to part three, which is, as you can kind of guess, the John Cena title reign here. And so we begin this reign with the ending segment of Monday Night Raw, which is being hyped as the then, now, and forever celebration, hosted by Triple H as he welcomes John Cena to the ring. Triple H says that he did warn Seth that there was always a plan B, it was just that he was never that plan B to begin with. Nobody is bigger than the WWE. Rollins was starting to believe that he was bigger than those three letters. Nobody can challenge that authority. John Cena concurs, and he simply says that nobody else can challenge the authority except the authority itself. Cena explains that to Triple H, he was looking a little bit perplexed here that when you're at the top of the industry for over a decade, you develop some deep, deep pockets. Remember that? We were talking about mansions and cars. This is important now. Cena describes how getting to know Hunter and the family has allowed him to have various meetings that he never could with Vince McMahon and they came to an agreement. He tells Triple H that the authority that he tried to create was too malleable. You campaigned for a reckless hound of justice to top to the top without even just a second thought. The future has never been about what we can change. It's been about what we can maintain. Because as times begin to change, what has made the business special is dying. Which is why, under the permission of the board of directors and Vince McMahon itself, and through countless billion dollar investments, I am now officially the COO of the WWE. And he just, you know, with the shock and awe, Triple H just being like, I can, just looking confused and flabbergasted here. He, John Cena gives a cheeky little smile as security begin to surround the ring. He says to Hunter Hearst Helmsley and Stephanie McMahon, you're fired. Basically, from this, John Cena desires that everything that exists should sort of maintain the same thing because he drives the merch sales, he drives the crowds in. Whether they love him or hate him, they always come to see John Cena and to drag Triple H out because, you know, he's Triple H, he doesn't want to be against all these security people, he'll probably handle it. We have what I like to dub the, the better version of the League of Nations. Yes, John Cena now has muscle because out comes his friends, former allies, Sheamus, Cesaro, and Wade Barrett, the newly formed and dubbed League of Nations. Those who Cena has beaten and destroyed in the past who have in his own words, come to accept the ideas of hustle, loyalty, and respect. Because in this timeline, remember, Rusev never fought John Cena, so he's not really in this idea and credentials. And Del Rio! Yeah, we don't need Del Rio. And so, they essentially beat up Triple H and drag him out of the whole, like, WWE section of this, at, so that he could firmly 
take over and be the manager of NXT, writes him off television. It's completely fine. I think that's good. NXT is his baby. And from this, we get the John Cena title reign where people must overcome the League of Nations. And even if they want to challenge him for the WWE title, the Journeyman's Challenge. And with that, we've got a build to WrestleMania. We have, for his next big pay-per-view going into Night of Champions, Dolph Ziggler, because a uh, Money in the Bank briefcase player. And in order to build up this match, this is going to be really short because we're going through a series of opponents here. He beats up Cesaro so badly in a two out of three falls match that it sidelines Cesaro with an injury as he does in real life during the Build to Survivor series. So we're going to keep that in as a way to write him off television till, you know, later down the line. During this, well, he successfully defeats Dolph Ziggler in the build up and, you know, couple months build here of Ziggler trying to claw his way back up to the top. Ziggler being a much more bigger babyface than he was before. And then we get to the next feud, which is Brock Lesnar, because uh, let's not forget that Brock Lesnar humiliated John Cena in about a few minutes really badly. So even the cool corporate face of WWE champion that is John Cena would, of course, want to face Brock Lesnar and get his revenge back in Hell in a Cell, in which we get another exposure to the violent John Cena that everybody's been craving for, that he, you know, masks underneath his corporate smile and his demand to make WWE all about the then, now, and forever, in which Cena gets a very clean win on, the, on Brock Lesnar, just in time for a convenient Seth Rollins return in the Build to Survivor series, who has been off TV dealing with the fact that he's been kicked out of the authority, is now trying to come back as the savior of WWE. But of course, the League of Nations and John Cena are just too much, and in the build-up to it, yeah, unfortunately, as we all know in real life, Seth Rollins suffers a really bad, like, Achilles tear in the meniscus. So, he's out for over a year at that point, and we get the match that some of you might be wondering, but it's a callback to the fast lane part much earlier into this podcast, Roman Reigns, because I know people are going to hate this because it's Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns versus John Cena at this point is fascinating because this is the point where Roman Reigns was easily at his most hated. This is the post-rock, not post-rock, post-rock Lesnar stuff, the Royal Rumble, the whole thing about him like slowly climbing back up. This is right when it looked like, oh, he's going to be WWE Champion again. No, don't do this. And that against a heel John Cena in which the build is purely just John Cena doing what they did at, was it Great Balls of Fire? Where John Cena would say, hey, you're not meant to be the face of the company. You've been trying to be me for a couple years. In the amount of time that it took you to get to this point, I had been WWE Champion multiple times over. You are nothing, Roman. And of course, at this point, Roman Reigns does not win. Because guess what? We're having John Cena win the belt and hold it all the way up to WrestleMania, where he faces the winner of the Royal Rumble, the man that should have won the Royal Rumble that year. I'm going to fight you on this. Dean Ambrose. Dean Ambrose in the build-up to John Cena at WrestleMania, because, you know, John Cena is 
slayed people from the shield, the Hounds of Justice, the, the guy who was destined to be the corporate champion, Seth Rollins, the guy who backstage was destined to be the face of the WWE, the new John Cena in Roman Reigns, and then the guy that everybody saw as the underdog of the shield, the guy that people expected to not even really get a shot at the WWE Championship, kind of mid-card for life at that point. Dean Ambrose, a guy who held the IC title and defended against the likes of Kevin Owens in a last man standing match, had great matches with Luke Harper, has a chance to win the WWE Championship. And we get in the build to WrestleMania, the contrast between the two. Dean Ambrose basically getting blessings from the anarchists of WWE's past. As he does in real life, he gets, you know, Barbie, Mick Foley's old weapon. We get, you know, a blessing from Stone Cold Steve Austin. And with John Cena, we get what John Cena does best. He does his hustle, loyalty, and respect. He surprises people at Make-A-Wish Foundations. He, he does media tours. He does all of these things. All the while running the day-to-day -day operations of WWE on a strict regimented regime as the face of WWE. As while Dean Ambrose has to overcome the newly made League of Nations in order to get a scratch onto John Cena. And so we get to WrestleMania, Dean Ambrose against John Cena. Cena has a huge dominating performance with Dean Ambrose having to fight from underneath. And we get, you know, because Rollins was only really a couple months you know, destined to get a return at this point, because he returns at Extreme Rules. We get Seth Rollins coming out to aid his former Shield brethren to distract John Cena. And not too much to a point where it's like, ah, oh, he cheated to win, but just enough to kind of remind John Cena that Seth Rollins exists as the League of Nations try and come in for a schmoz to help out there. As Dean Ambrose hits the dirty deeds on John Cena for the one, two, Free. Rollins looks over to Dean Ambrose like a ship in the night. He just says, you did it, and walks away. No, no fist bump, no shake of the hand, but that little assistance to kind of show, I helped you out here, pal. We had a common enemy. As Dean Ambrose holds up the WWE Championship at WrestleMania 33, having overcame the authority that had held him down for so many years, and the franchise player of WWE. A man who, having lost the crown, looks to reclaim the values of the future that he believes WWE must use. Hustle, loyalty, and respect. Oh boy! What a what an ending. What a what a series of events. I have no idea how this is going to be received. I can't tell if this was really good or really bad. <laughs> oh god, that was a that was really tough to book. That was really tough to book. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh hindsight, maybe I should have stuck with the rock. Maybe I should have stuck with the whole rock thing and kept that as part of his character, but I think there's some good stuff in there. I think the whole idea of John Cena still staying the same and not really changing much is nice. Like, if you guys remember Sami Zayn's early heel turn, I think that's quite a similar comparison. That's kind of what I was going for. I feel like it kind of worked. I think it gets over Dolph Ziggler a lot better. 
I, I can understand where people would disagree with it. I think maybe the use of Triple H might be bad here. But all in all, I, I'm happy with it. I, a weird episode. Definitely a weird one to make. And with it, this marks the end of the one year episode. So I'm about to go on a huge spiel of emotional stuff. So yeah, if you guys want to finish the episode, go for it. Go for it. Live the dream. Go, go do your things. I, I've already said thank you about, like, doing this thing. But in real life, uh, this podcast came at a time in my life where I just felt really miserable. And I, I just started doing it because, you know, I didn't really have many wrestling friends. I was just a guy who just watched wrestling weekly and didn't really have anybody else to really talk about it with. Uh, I, I grew up watching wrestling as a kid, don't even remember how, and just kept watching. Everybody, you know, kind of stopped at some point, but I just kind of kept going. And I don't know what made me do this as a weekly thing from week to week, but it just kind of kept going. I, I kept doing it through uni. I kept doing this through, uh... Various mental breakdowns, I guess. Uh, I don't think I've really mentioned it before, but, you know, I'm I'm autistic. I've had points where sometimes stress has really gotten to me. And one of the things that kept me feeling good and happy and just keep giving me something to do was doing this. And, you know, the reception of episodes and stuff that I've done has been a blessing, I guess. And you guys helped me out way more than you would know. Like, little things like, hey, this episode was fun, or, you know, some of the stuff that I've had to do, like, just guesting on stuff, like the Sweet Chinwag podcast, which, by the way, you can go listen to that. That was a lot of fun. It was the Anonymous Royal General Manager. Uh, little things like, uh, not really guesting, but, you know, giving in suggestions for, like, the Making Kayfabe podcast, or even, like, getting a retweet from Sullivan Bo Brown. I... I... <laughs> I, I don't know what I would be doing mentally, or how I'd be feeling if I did not have this in my life as a weekly thing, and I'm... I'm grateful that I was willing to share it with everyone here and share this random love that I've had for wrestling somewhere. And I I can't thank you guys enough. So I just want to say to everybody, every listen, every download, every whether it was just one second or you listen to a minute or you listen to the whole thing, I am so grateful for it because... Uh, it got me through some of the mentally most difficult parts of my life, having finished a degree. And I'm I'm rambling now, so... I... Thank you. Thank you. And with that, I have so many other random projects that I want to do in the future that... Stay tuned to social media. There's some cool stuff that I want to do. And it's going to be all over Twitter at Connor the Cooper. It's going to be over... Instagram at Wrestling With Fiction because somehow I am a corporate chill. <laughs>
And with that, I'm going to end it here. So, once again, as I've said a billion times before, like a broken record. Uh... Coming live from the Joe Wicks looking knockoff himself. Thank you all so much for listening. And remember, everyone, wrestling could always use just a little bit more fiction. See you all. Thank you so much. <laughs>